This is a Shiganon, a, a random poem of David, which he sang unto the Lord concerning the words of Cush to Benjamite. And we'll talk more about that in a few seconds. But notice what the psalm says. I'm going to read the whole psalm tonight here. Beginning in verse number one. O Lord my God, in thee do I put my trust. Save me from all them that persecute me and deliver me. Lest he tear my soul like a lion, rending it in pieces, while there is none to deliver. O Lord my God, if I have done this, if there be iniquity in my hands, if I have rewarded evil unto him that was at peace with me, yea, I have delivered him that without cause is mine enemy, let the enemy persecute my soul and take it. Yea, let him tread down my life upon the earth and lay mine honor in the dust. Selah. Verse 6, Arise, O Lord, in thine anger. Lift up thyself because of the rage of mine enemies. And awake for me to the judgment that thou hast commanded. So shall the congregation of the people come past thee about. For their sakes, therefore, return thou on high. The Lord shall judge the people. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to mine integrity that is in me. O let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end. But establish the just, for the righteous God trieth the hearts and reigns. And verse number 10 is our probably text verse, and so let's read it together. Ready? Here we go. Ready? My defense is of God, which saveth the upright in heart. One more time. Ready? My defense is of God, which saveth the upright in heart. God judgeth the righteous, and God is angry with the wicked every day. If he turn not, he will wet his sword. He hath bent his bow and made it ready. He hath also prepared for him that the instruments of death. He ordaineth his arrows against the persecutors. Behold, he travaileth with iniquity, and hath conceived mischief, and brought forth falsehood. He made a pit and digged it, and, it, and is fallen into the ditch which he made. His mischief shall return upon his own head, and his violent dealings shall come down upon his own pate. Verse 17 is a very concludatory verse, and so let's read it together. Ready? I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. This is a psalm of deliverance, this Psalm 7. And uh, I want to deal with the subject of what to do when falsely accused. I don't want to be uh, overdramatic tonight by any stretch of the imagination, but I I heard some very disturbing news to me on Monday, not pertaining to our church, just for the record, I don't want to make you unduly upset. Uh, I was very, a uh, number of emotions went through my head when I heard what I heard, and I'm not at liberty to tell you what I heard about uh, an accusation about a uh, certain someone, and it'll eventually leak out probably, and you'll hear it eventually as well. Don't ask me after the service. I'm not going to tell you. I don't know if to really comment intelligently on the situation. But the moment I heard and got the details as best as the person that told me knew them, uh, I immediately said, I'm preaching this message tonight. And uh, uh, it brought back all kinds of emotions to me. What to do when falsely accused, wrongly accused? We've all been there before, I'm sure. And uh, uh, the question here tonight, how, how do you deal on the worksheet, how do you deal with false accusations as we try to live righteously before ungodly and sometimes vindictive people? 
I went home this uh, noontime today for lunch, of course, after nursing home service, and I, I turned the Fox News on, and I saw the, that they were, uh, that the, the, the hearing for Judge Kavanaugh's going on. And I, you and me, you know me with talk radio and so forth, and uh, the political bent that I have. Uh, I go, I went back in my mind all the way back to Judge Bork. And that's a new terminology that now we have today when Judge Bork should have been a United States Supreme Court justice. Of course, he's died a number of years ago now. But he was, to use the phrase, he was borked. He was lied about, he was impugned, he was destroyed, a man of great character, and he was, they borked him, is the term. And then I remember Judge Clarence Thomas, the black Supreme Court justice. And uh, you that know your history, know your current events history in regards to Supreme Court justices, the smear campaign that they, innuendo, and forget innuendo, but the stuff they said about him at, in front of the whole world on public television, and uh, how he was smeared royally. And there's, to this day, I'm sure there's millions of people that believe that, I believe it was pure, and I'll be nice here, pure garbage, and that's just, that was, it was far worse than garbage that was said about Clarence Thomas, but there are millions of people, I believe, to this day that believe that stuff that was said about Clarence Thomas. You can never, never re regain once the words have come out of somebody's mouth and you've been impugned and you've been slandered against. You can never regain some credibility or your credibility or your, uh, your testimony with certain people. And so in the way of introduction tonight here, and I need to start moving forward here quickly tonight. We have a lot of ground we'd like to cover. Psalm 7 is a psalm of deliverance. And 1 Corinthians 10, 13, nice and loud, we have air conditioning competition again. So who has 1 Corinthians 10, 13, nice and loud, read it for us, please. All right, now, don't develop a martyr's complex right out of the gate. When I heard the information I heard on Monday, it, it infuriated me. It, it upset me. It, it, it brought back memories of my own life and so forth. And, and uh, if we're not careful, we can get an old woe is me complex. Or, I'm being wrongly persecuted. Hey, they hated Jesus Christ. They talked evil about him. They hated Paul. They talked evil about him. Don't you think they're going to talk about us as well? This just comes to par for the course. It comes to the territory. And so, um, but this psalm is a psalm of deliverance. It's not a psalm of depression, but it's a psalm of deliverance from a type of persecution, and that, that of a false accuser or a slanderer. And it's difficult to be, I don't know if you've ever been unduly slandered, and I think most of us, if we live any length of time, you know what it's like to be slandered from time to time. Somebody speak evil against you, falsely, wrongly so-called. The, the title of this psalm, if you notice it with me again, it says this random or rambling poem of David, which he sang unto the Lord concerning the words of Cush the Benjamite. Now I have the advantage of having a number of commentaries on my shelves, and of course now I have it right on my computer. And so I looked at several commentaries on, well, who is this Cush? And the answer is, uh, no, none of the famous commentators know for sure. We don't know. He was Cush the Benjamite. I mean, he could have been a guy, literally just named his name was Cush, and he was a Benjamite. Uh, but we don't know anything past that. Some commentators think, and I'll just give you three possibilities, postulates, 
Some commentators feel that it was, this was speaking of Shimei, another name for Shimei that we read about in 2 Samuel 16. For time's sake, we won't go there. But remember, Shimei cursed David when David was fleeing out of, uh, of Egypt from Absalom and his son and uh, Joab, his five-star general. So let me go up there and cut that dead dog's head off and, uh, as Marty shot slaying. And, and, uh, and David said, no, let him curse. Let him, let him, let him mock me. That's okay. And... Uh, and an interesting passage of scripture. So, so something it could have been Shimei. Something it was Cush. Others think it was uh, a, a code uh, uh, for uh, Saul of Kish. Kish, Cush. And we know that Saul was a Benjamite. And David wouldn't touch his hand against the Lord's anointed. And so just like I started off in, uh, on purpose, uh, um, I started off with an illustration of somebody I can't tell you about right now because... Many of you know who would know who this person is, and eventually you'll find out on your own, probably. And now I've just made you uh, almost salacious, like, well, who is it, Pastor? Just tell us. And uh, no, I'm not going to do that. Maybe David was talking about Saul here, and he called him Cush, the Benjamite. We don't know. Here's the real fact of the matter: is we don't know. It's it's left to conjecture, but there was some Cush, whoever it was, that was giving David. They're slandering David in many different ways. What Cushes do, let me give you four bullet points of what Cushes do in our life and in your life if you've lived any length of time and you've tried to live for the Lord. Yea, and all that will godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. First of all, they will lie about you to get you in trouble. Proverbs 6, 16 and 19. Who has it for us, please? A false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. Now, by the way, if this Cush was Shimei, or if it was Saul, a Benjamite, they were both brethren, they were family members, really, of the, of the nation of Israel with David. And, they were, and whoever it was, they were lying about David, and it caused them great trouble. You ever have somebody lie about you? That's it's hard to take. Uh, then Psalm 119, 110, nice and loud, who has that for us, please? Well, that's a great verse, but that's not. I'm sorry, that was someone on 119, 110? Oh, I, okay, I'm sorry. I was going to say somehow you wrote down the right. Yeah, I'm sorry, I wrote down the wrong verse. I'm sorry. Okay, 110, please. All right, so the second thing Cushes will do is they will set traps to get you in trouble. They'll set traps to get you in trouble. They'll lie about you. They'll set traps. Anybody been uh, slandered or you got a, one of your coworkers at work or maybe a boss even or somebody, an underling, set a trap for you at work to make you look like the, and you'd be the fall guy? Yeah, I'm sure if you've worked anywhere in any length of time, this has probably happened at least once or twice in your career, I guess, uh, very possibly. Then uh, Proverbs 16, 28, uh, who has that for us? All right, in Ecclesiastes 9.18, please. All right, and so Cushes will gossip about you and spread rumors about you. They'll gossip and they'll whisper, 
They'll lie about you. They'll set traps for you. And then Psalm 101, verse 5, please, for time's sake. All right, and so we see uh, uh, fourth bullet point. They may even invent conspiracy theories about you to ruin your testimony. I have two other verses in regards to elders and um, pastors in our, this case, but 1 Timothy 5.1 and 1 Timothy 5.19. And I'm paraphrasing, but the Bible says, Receive not an accusation against an elder unless it be by two or three witnesses. You better, have your, you better be careful about uh, making an accusation against an elder or a judge in Kavanaugh's case, what have you. And so uh, it's hard to be wrongfully accused it's, uh, it's, uh, it, it's, it's hurt, and it's a lot of, there's irreputable damage that's often been done. And uh, I, I learned to take this very philosophically. I'm not the first pastor that people have said untrue things about. Uh, it's happened to me. It's happened, you live any length of time, it's probably happened to you already as well, too. But uh, it's hard to take uh, when you get information out there that you never can be retracted, and it's false information, and it never gets healed up because uh, it's 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 like the the story of the lady that went to the uh, was gossiping against the preacher. You know the story, and she went told one person, and that person told another person, and that person told another person, and. And finally, she got convicted about it, and she went to the pastor and said, I've been lying about you. I've been spreading gossip about you. Please forgive me. And he, they said, well, the, I'll forgive you, but I want you to understand something. He took a pillow, one of those feathered down, down feathered pillows, and he went up to the belfry with the lady, and she he cut the pillow open, and he, and he let all the feathers fly out through the air. And he says, the problem is we'll never be able to get all these feathers back into the pillow, and that's how it is with gossip. That's how it's do with slander and slurring. You, you'll never, never be able to get it all back because it, it just goes everywhere, of course. And so here's the message proper, the, the body of the message, if you will. I want to give you five responses to false accusation. First of all, verses 1 and 2, O Lord my God, in thee do I put my trust. Save me from all them that persecute me and deliver me. And so notice, first of all, the first response when we are falsely accused is to rely on God. Rely on God. Oh, Lord, right out of the gate, put our trust in him. Letter A, trust in him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, what does it say? And so have faith in God. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And... Uh, Again, I do certainly do not want to make it, and I've already made some innuendo towards, uh, uh, like I've had it rough. I haven't had it rough at all. I've had, it, I've had it very good most all of my life. Lord's been very gracious to me, even as a pastor. And I've had, I'm not saying this just to butter you folks up. I'm telling you the truth. I, I, just, I do have a lot of pastor friends. I talked to three or four pastors today, I promise you. And I'm going to let you in on a secret. And Brother Mike's been around and Jenny's been around and other churches. And for that matter, Ray and Bonnie have. We've got a good church body. And you guys protect my testimony. And I thank you for that. And we, we, I haven't had a lot of problems uh, per se. But uh, when problems come, uh, I need to learn to trust in the Lord just like you need to learn how to trust in the Lord. And when you're falsely accused, uh, you need to put your trust in him. The psalmist starts out, oh, Lord, my God, in thee do I put my trust. 
So, and then secondly, what do we do in relying for God? We let her be. We ask him for deliverance. We ask him for deliverance. Look what he says. He says, save me from all them that persecute me and deliver me. And Matthew 7, 7, please, nice and loud. So ask the Lord to deliver you. Now that deliverance may take a while because verse number two, let, lest he tear my soul like a lion. Remember Daniel? He spent a whole night in the lion's den, didn't he? Uh, he Jesus said to Peter that Satan hath desired to, to uh, as a roaring lion, uh, Satan desires to devour him. He says, lest he tear my soul like a lion, rending it in pieces while there is none to deliver. I think what Joseph went through in the Old Testament, of course, for all those years in prison and, and being hated by his brother and so forth. Understand this in relying on God. That understand he may ask you to suffer a little. We may have to suffer a little for righteousness sake. First Peter chapter 4, verse 19, who hasn't? And so God may ask us to suffer a little bit. Is the servant any greater than his master? Jesus suffered. And so we need to rely on God. But then verses 3 to 5, we'll move forward. The second response to a false accusation is, review your innocence. Are you innocent to begin with? First of all, look at the first uh, verse number 3. Oh Lord, my God, if, there's a big word there, if I have done this, if there be iniquity in my hands, if I have rewarded evil unto him that was at peace with me, if I've done wrong, in other words, the psalmist is saying, if, if I've done wrong, he's asking God to examine himself. Uh, review your innocence. Ask God, letter A, to review your actions. Your actions. Now, we've all sinned. We know that. That's Christianity 101. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all made mistakes. We've all made miscalculations, haven't we? Of course we have. We all know that. That's par for the course, right? We're all sinners by nature. And so we're not talking about David. David had committed some great sins, didn't he? Sure he did. We know David's great sins. They're recorded in Scripture. But here he says in regards to this matter, he says, God, review, review the case. But... Sometimes in reviewing the case, there's, uh, there's some guilt on our parts, is there not? And so ask yourself this question, letter A. If you have done wrong, confess it. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank God for confession. Uh, again, I'm going to be elusive, but you longtime veterans know that it's, it's been a number of years, but we've had church, uh, some people call it uh, uh, church discipline. I like to call it church reconciliation. We've had opportunities where people have come forward in front of the whole congregation and asked the church to forgive them of their sin. And it's been some of the most beautiful, wonderful times in our Christian and our, our church family life. And uh, I, I think of every time that it was done, almost not to a man, because I know for a fact it wasn't done to a man, but almost a large body of the church forgave. Some did not. But there is, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from how much unrighteousness? All unrighteousness. And so confess it. We have a healer. We, there is a, there's a healer in Christ. He's a forgiver. He's a cleanser. 
And then seek, the fill in the blank word is reconciliation with the offended. Matthew 5, 24, please. You know, I've been there. I'm sure you've been there. You know, when you have wronged somebody and you humble yourself and you realize that God reveals it to you that, hey, I blew it. I cocked off. I said something I shouldn't have said. I did something I shouldn't have done. I didn't think about whatever. Don't make excuses, but you go to that person. And you know, if they're a brother or sister in Christ, nine times out of 10, I think 98 times out of 100. And if you go with the right attitude, they're more than willing to accept your apology and more than willing to forgive you. If they're a brother or sister in Christ. And it's a wonderful thing. It's, beautiful. it's wonderful to get reconciliation. God's given us, 2 Corinthians 5, the ministry of reconciliation. And so David says, if I've done this, if I have, but Lord, the conclusion of the matter is, Lord, you know I didn't do it. And so we're talking about what to do when falsely accused again. So let her be and uh, review your innocence. But if you are innocent, be confident now, there's a difference between being confident and being cocky. Hebrews 13 and verse number uh, 18. I didn't get that verse to anybody. Let me read it myself here. Uh, Pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things willing to live honestly. I Pardon me for another personal illustration, but I know myself better than anybody here in this room. And uh, I know that there's been times where I've been wrongly accused. And I have a clean conscience in regards to these things. In fact, here we one another verse here, Psalm 24. Now, if you're going to ask me if I'm a sinner, yes, I'm a sinner. I've said that a thousand times. Have I done wrong things? Of course I have. So have we all. But when it comes to specifics, and you're going to name the claim and name the, the accusation, there's some things that I've been accused of that I'm 100% innocent of, and I can look God in the, I can talk to God directly. I can look you in the face. I can look my accuser in the face and say that's not true. I can do that with in Psalm 24 verses. In fact, you just turn over there. You're just pages away. I want you to see this real quickly here. Uh, time's sake here. I'm trying to hurry. Psalm 24 verse three. Uh, who has, who shall ascend into the hill of the of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands. This is the psalm of David. And a pure heart. Now did David have clean hands in the, 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 the act with Bathsheba? No, I don't think so. How about with Uriah? No, but he, wasn't, he was talking about a specific. He said, no, wait a minute. On this count, I'm, I have clean hands. I have a pure heart. He goes on to say, uh, he hath... Verse 4, he hath clean hands and a pure heart who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity nor sworn deceitfully. God, you know I haven't lied to you. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. And so we see this. If you're innocent, you can be confident, a Holy Spirit confident. And uh, then let her see for time's sake here. Let's go back to our worship. Continue to walk in integrity. Just take it. Just take it. Verse number five, we won't bother reading it for time's sake. Proverbs 10, 9, who has it? All right, he that walketh uprightly walketh surely. And uh, just keep walking in your integrity. Just take it. If they say bad things about you, just don't get cocky, don't get smart aleck, don't get vindictive, don't get bitter, don't get mad. Just 
maintain your integrity. So then number three, verses 6 to 13, and we'll have to hurry through this section for time's sake here. Request God's vindication. Request God's vindication. What do you, the third thing to do when you're falsely accused? Ask God, God vindicate me. And, and um, what do you mean by that, preacher? Well, uh, first of all, God is the final judge. Verses 6, verse 8, verse 9, verse 11, for time's sake, all deal with the subject of that God tries us or that he's the God of judgment. And uh, again, remember, everybody must endure uh, criticism or slander from time to time. And the higher you go, the more criticism you're going to get. I know I didn't pray for our last president like I should have. And I know this president we have now, I know he's far from perfect. I didn't elect a pastor to be my president. I elected a businessman. I elected a conservative. I know he's, I know he's getting crass. I understand that some of you people don't like that. I get it. I don't like some of the things I cringe sometimes when he texts some of the stuff he texts too. I get it. But uh, I pray for him. And the higher you go, the more criticism you're going to get. It just comes from the territory. Pastors, Sunday school teachers, leaders, you're going to get criticism. It comes from the territory. And some people, there's going to be some cushions in your life that will try to take you down. Try to lie about you. Spread innuendo, gossip, rumors. To set traps for you. Try to catch you in your words. Try to figure out something you said 16 years ago and use it against your account. But God's the final judge. Letter B, ask God, ask that God be praised through this whole process. If you look up verses 6 and 7, and let me give you a, a parallel verses for time's sake. Psalm 50, verse 23, who has that for us? All right, amen. I hope I don't have sounded too, I almost feel like i got to apologize here. I might have sounded like too, uh, preacher, you're a little bent out of shape. No, I'm frustrated for, I'm just, just frustrated again for, because I know some information that, that uh, when, it's not going to affect you at all, anyhow, but it affects me, and it just hurts, and it uh, has nothing to do with me per se, personal, but it just hurts. And what I, what I need to do through this whole process, just praise God. God, in the end, God's going to get the victory. It's going to be okay. We're going to go on. Things are going to be fine. And, uh, Paul and Silas, when they were being persecuted, they were in jail in, in Acts chapter 16. And at midnight, they sang praises to God. It's amazing what praising can do. <laughs> so praise God even when you're being maligned, even when you're being lied about, even when you're being uh, besmirched and so forth. And then uh, letter C, understand God will judge this is very key, verses 11 to 13. God will judge in his time. There's a very key verse that we understand. Look at what it says in verse, uh, let's take time to read these verses here. Verse 11, God judges the righteous. And God is angry with the wicked every day. God's not happy with the wicked. He's he, just amazing. He's long-suffering that he puts up with. I don't know how many times I've asked God, God just... That wicked person. God just, what are you waiting for, God? You know what I would do if I were you. God, take care of this problem. You know, and I won't name some names, but I'm thinking some people, when they died, I, I said, well, I'm afraid to say what I really said. Amen. I said, thank you, Lord. 
And I get, maybe get a little bit in the flesh and I say, it's about time. But God, he's a merciful and long-suffering God. It's amazing what he puts up with. But he's not, he's not overlooking. He's keeping the score. Look what it says in verse number 13. Or verse number 12, I have to read. If he turn not, he will wet his sword. Wow. He hath bent his bow and made it ready, and he never misses. And then look at verse number 13, a powerful verse. He hath also prepared him for him the instruments of death. He ordaineth his arrows against the persecutors. Somebody wrote a message, and I put it on the flyleaf of my Bible, the aimless, nameless bowmen of God. Uh, and remember the story of Ahab and the chariot, and uh, it was Hezekiah who was the other king. For, I think it was Hezekiah, wasn't it? And peradventure, I like that old English word, peradventure, just to, by chance that sort bowman pulled his bow, and just by chance that arrow went, went and went to the... Ahab, he was hidden in disguise, but that arrow was appointed. God said, I've had, en- I've had enough of Ahab. It's time to go. The dogs lick your blood. And you know the story. And Jezebel and Ahab, you know the story most of you well. And so God knows. God's keeping score. God understands it in his time. Then number four, verses 14 to 16, if you would please. The fourth response to false accusations. First of all, rely on God. Review your innocence. Request God's vindication. But fourthly, remember the consequences. The little girl came to her mommy and she was acting up at home and she says she was doing something wrong and big time at the house. And, the, and, uh, and the mom said to her, listen, honey, if you keep doing that, you're going to have to live with the consequences. And she started crying. Oh, no, mommy, I don't want to live with the consequences. I want to live with you. And, and whoever the consequences are, she didn't want to live, go live with the consequences. And the fact of the matter is, there are consequences for our actions. The Bible's very clear. First of all, verse number 14, notice what it says, back to Psalm 7. It says, Behold, he travaileth with iniquity, and hath conceived mischief, and brought forth falsehood. Uh, Remember, understand this, evil men will do what evil men do. Going back to, I don't know if you're following this Kavanaugh uh, uh, what do you call that? The, the meetings or the hearings? What do you call it? Confirmation hearings, thank you. I couldn't think of the right terminology. But anyhow, if you're following this, uh, 70 people, I mean, before, I mean, the gavel went down, they started the proceedings, and they had 70 people, one right after another, choreographed. Uh, the 70 of them they had to arrest. They started just shouting and all kinds of obscenities and you know, just besmirching this man's character, and they haven't even, he hasn't even spoke a word yet, and they're already condemning him. It's astounding. But evil men do what evil men do. You see, it's in their nature. It's who they are. Matthew twelve thirty five, please. It's amazing to me, by the way, just a sidebar, it amazes me how many people want to just tear down our country, hate our country. Just astounding to me. We live in the greatest country on the face of the earth, and we've got people that want to destroy us from, from within. It's just, just, just sad, yeah. Just so sad, isn't it? And uh, evil men do what evil men do. And then uh, verse 15, notice what it says. He, he made a pit and digged it 
and is fallen into the pit which he made. So let, let her be. Notice that, remember, there's consequences for those false accusers. Eventually, they get caught in their own trap. Proverbs 26, 27, please. Do you know the Jews to this day, they celebrate a, a festival where they celebrate the hanging of Haman. Remember how Haman and Esther built the gallows to have Mordecai hung on it? And you know the rest of the story, don't you? We talk about the rest of the story Sunday morning. So you know the rest of that story. And Haman was hanging on his own gallows that he created, of course. And so eventually they get caught in their own trap. And I've seen, I've lived long enough now where I've seen many of people that have tried to uh, play cushions and have lied and, and, uh, and tried to bring other people down and in, in their own way. God has a way of bringing them down in a supernatural, in a way that's many times just uh, uh, surprising, amazing how God works in his timing. And then number, letter C in the worksheet rather, uh, here's the comfort, verse number uh, 16 again. Uh, his mischief shall return upon his own head. And his violent dealings shall come down upon his own pate. And so here's the comfort. There is no lasting success for the enemy of our soul. Think about this. I want you to consider this, that, that God, God said that, uh, that he's going to, it'd be better for a millstone to be hung around uh, a person's neck and they were drowned in the depths of the deep sea than they should have fed one of these little ones. Uh, we're impugned, we get uh, maligned, we get lied about. Uh, I've said it many times, there's hundreds of people, no doubt, in Torrington and around this northwest corner of Connecticut, maybe, I hope it's not into the thousands, but it's certainly hundreds of people, that would never come to Harvest Baptist Church because they heard something about the preacher, they heard something about one of your members, and it might not even be, probably isn't even true. But they heard it, and it must be true. And so therefore, they, for they're going to stay away for all these years, for their whole life. And maybe they're an innocent party. Maybe they were this deceived, but there were deceivers out there. It's so sad. One day, no, no one that's ever raised his hand against God. God doesn't take lightly when you raise your hand against one of his children. He loves his children, and he will defend. He will come to our aid in his time. That leads me to the fifth response, and we... Close from closing verse number 17, last verse. Well, how to respond to false accusations? Number one, rely on God. Number two, review your innocence. Number three, request God's vindication. Number four, remember the consequences. Number five, react with praise. He starts with praise. In verse number one, he ends with praise. Notice what he says. He says, Lo, or rather, I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praise the name of the Lord Most High. Notice three things, by the way, about this as we close and react in praise. What do we do with these false accusers that, to this day, I'm going to get one more personal illustration. I have had, and so have you, I'm sure, but I just use myself. I think of some people that have lied about me. And I forgave them many, many years ago. I forgive them to this day. But then I got to thinking, it was brought fresh and new in my mind on Monday again. Yeah, but look at all the damage you've done for years and years and years and years and years and years. And for a lifetime. They've hurt, and they've spread their innuendo, and they never have apologized. Some of them claim to be Christians, and some of them might even be Christians. They've never apologized. They probably will go to the grave never apologizing. 
But here's, here's what I need to, here's my response. Don't dwell on the situation. Dwell on God. Amen. Now, I brought up the situa- situation or alluded to several situations several times in this last half hour. But don't dwell on it. It does no good. It's, 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 it's garbage. Just don't think about it. Move on. Go on with life. And dwell on God. Praise him. Number two, pray for your enemies. Matthew 5, 44, nice and loud, please. Literally pray for them. I don't say this to, uh, again, it sounds like I'm getting braggadocious here, but I've learned uh, to, I can honestly say I have, I know I have some enemies out there. I pray for them. I really do. I pray the Lord will bless them. I pray the Lord will not hold it to their account. But I pray the Lord will open their eyes someday that maybe they'll see their or their way and see that, you know, uh, they've made some mistakes. But, uh, and uh, I would be happy to accept an apology or two uh, from a number of different people, I guess, over the years. But uh, again, in the grand scheme of things, I, for number one, I have very few quote-unquote enemies but I have uh, some enemies, and so do you. But what, what's my response? Pray for them and praise God. Then number, letter C, finally. Focus on the Lord and humbly keep doing right. If you're not careful, in the whole message, back for the last time and we're done, you know, I heard this disturbing news on Wednesday, Monday. It affected me more than it would affect any of you. Most of you don't even know who I'm really referring to. Some of you do, though. And it affected me, and it affected my spirit in so many different ways. And that just really, it got me, got me a whole bunch of emotions. Mad, upset, frustrated, angry, thinking about slander and thinking about uh, why would you want to try to hurt somebody? Why would you do this? Why would you, well, what's the purpose in all of this? And, and then I had to just kind of step back and take a breath and say, wait a minute. God's in control. He allowed this to happen for some reason. He allowed this information to get out, even though it wasn't, I don't think it was of God, but it got out, whatever. It's out there now. Nothing you can do about it. And we have to just deal with it as that person and the people involved will have to deal with it in time as time goes on. And they will. It's, uh, I'm sure they'll do fine. Just pray that God gets the victory. But what's our response through it all? Just rely on God. Review your innocence. Make sure you're innocent. And live confidently and calmly through it. Uh, request God's vindication in his time, his way. Request, uh, remember the consequences. There are consequences to the wicked. And react with praise. Well, let's bow for prayer here tonight. Heavenly Father, Lord, in my desire to get this message across, Lord, I hope I haven't upset anyone tonight. Lord, we've all been through difficult times. And Lord, we pray for the parties involved uh, tonight, Lord, in, in an unspoken way. Lord, that you would uh, heal as much as you possibly can over the next days and weeks and even years. And Lord, I know some, some probably never, some, some things have been said and never, never will get healed now. And uh, Lord, I just, just pray for all the people that are affected and bless uh, these dear folks as well, I pray, Lord. And help us, Lord, not be guilty of being slanderers or cushions ourselves. Lord, help us to respond properly, right, right, rightly and properly. Like David wouldn't name him if it was Saul. He wouldn't name him as Saul. He wouldn't name him. He gave him a different name. If it was this Cush happened to be Shimei, he said, just let him alone. 
Lord, just help us to go on and serve you, we pray. Father, have your own way in our midst, we pray, and dismiss us thy blessing tonight, we pray, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together. Let's sing just one verse here tonight of, uh, how about... Uh...